When you realize what your future can be, you want to do it right. UCF Online offers more than 100 fully online programs, plus personalized support from success coaches, so you can get to the future that's right for you. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Kelvin Thompson. And I am Tom Cavanaugh. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hey, Tom. Hey, Kelvin. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Yeah. How about you? I'm doing all right. It is It is for our listeners, the new year. It is. It is the new year. Yeah, well, you know. We're time traveling. We are time traveling. I wonder I wonder what it's like in the future in January 2023. You think we have jetpacks and flying cars and stuff yet? <laughs> One can only hope. Can only I've been hope. hoping this for such a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Where is my jetpack? I was Rocket promised man. this as a kid. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. a, I, and, and I'm disappointed every day. I know. I know. Yeah. I had visions of Iron Man and yeah. Dancing in your head. <laughs> Right. On a winter's night, it is the holiday season. Yeah, <laughs> just, 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 just after. Yeah, I am. Um, I don't know. I'm. I'm all kind of conflicted, Tom. I'm. Uh, uh, we had our, our colleague Aaron in here a few minutes ago taking pictures because this this might be the last in studio recording we do for a while. Yes, it might. So if, if you're not watching this on video, you probably should because. Mm. Um, this might be the last time we see this this recording booth. The sweaty, for, the sweaty booth. <laughs> the box of the box, the torture box. Yes. Um, for for a while. Um, and do you want to tell the the legions of Topcast listeners why <laughs> why this might be the last in person recording for a while? All seven and a half of them. Mm-hmm. That's not quite true, but there's there's more of you than that. There's at least eight. Uh, yes, um, and it'll be more apparent in um, the next episode, the mid-January episode, but uh, I, by that point, will be starting another position elsewhere geographically remote from the University of Central Florida, so it'd be awfully hard to commute here to the in-person yeah. studio. Yeah, well, we, you know, there's airplanes, right? <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. I'm commuting just to do some, we're going to do 20 podcast episodes <laughs> to make it to make it worth the, the airfare. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, why don't you tell everybody where you're going? Um, I will be starting in mid-January a position at the University of Louisville in Louisville, Kentucky, for those non-U.S. listeners, some 800-ish miles away from Central Florida and a world of difference in (laughs) mid-January, as I am uh, led to believe. And uh, I will be the new slash first vice provost of for online strategy and teaching innovation overseeing an existing center and trying to take it to the next level, I hope. Yeah, well. They do too. <laughs> I, I've, I've said this to you privately and I'll say it to you publicly, you know, congratulations. Um, it's, a, it's a fantastic move for you and for U of L. Uh, we will miss you, um, but you've been, you know, a, a key contributor to to the success and reputation of UCF over 24 years. And um, I will not use the full 30 minutes of our podcast (laughs) to list all of the ways you've contributed, but they have been many and varied and um, we appreciate it. 
Well, thank you for that, Tom. I, I, I do appreciate it. I, I saw a little video note you sent out to our Division of Digital Learning earlier today, and I haven't gotten as far as send you an email, so I'll just tell you now. I, <laughs> I was real touched by the nice things you said, so so thank you for that. And um, as we've hinted already, our plan is to keep going with the podcast just just remotely. Yeah. But gosh, we made it through 2020. So. I know, really. <laughs> if we can make it through 2020, we can make it through a little geography. That's, that's right. So yeah. excited, and uh, we'll have a little bit of a a varied intro starting, I guess, the next uh, episode, but we kind of co-branded from both institutions and yeah. looking forward to that. Yep. Bring some more context. But here we are today. Here we are today. And um, as long as we're together, uh, you have poured me a cup of coffee. I have. And we're going to figure that out. Mm. Uh, like I, we could divide the labor. We could alternate the person who who makes the coffee connection. We could. You know, yeah, we can try that. Yeah, and, and I'll, <laughs> I'll be in the unenviable position of trying to come up with some sort of a connection and have you criticize me. <laughs> Point three from the German judge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I won't hold you to that. We'll figure it out. I uh, I don't mind bringing some connection for a while, but hey, we can we can we can we can play with the the format a little bit. But you're probably wondering what you're drinking. Always. Yes, me too. So today's coffee, Tom, is a blend called. And I'm going to tell you, when I saw it, I thought uh, when I had this bag that a friend gave me, I thought it was dual axes. You know, like sort of you know, Cartesian coordinates yeah, and something. Right. I, I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. It's like mathematics and stuff and, and maps and things. And then I realized I looked into it more and I'm like, oh, the picture is like two chopping implements. <laughs> it's dual axes. Double hatchets. Double hatchets. Yeah. yeah so it's like a homograph, right? Uh, but this is a, uh, a blend from Honest Coffee Roasters in Huntsville, Alabama. And I thought the Coffee was kind of appropriate for today's topic, both because of the homograph um, axes or axes and because its roasting location, Huntsville, is about 70 miles away from a small northern Alabama county with local charm, geographic appeal, but only one small, good, but small community college. Mm. And there are several such areas within driving distance of Huntsville, even though uh, I should say quickly, Huntsville itself is home to a number of institutions that bring access to higher education. Yeah. So how's the coffee and how's the connection to today's topic? I like the coffee. It's chopping good. Chopping and good. <laughs> Is that a new thing? Yeah, chopping good. I just made that mm. up, but it seems to fit. Um, and I do get the connection. I like it. Yeah. So I think you kind of hit me over the head with this one, so to speak. <laughs> but uh, not with the axe. Not with, with the other side. That would, yeah. that would, that would <laughs> not be good. No, no, no. So... Uh, what kind of connection did you see there? Well, I mean, you were talking about it's sort of a remote location in DeKalb County there. Mm-hmm. And um, and the fact that there's only one uh, institution of higher education sort mm-hmm. of within a reasonable driving distance. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what we're talking about today. We're going to be talking about the concept of education deserts. Mm-hmm. Education deserts, if you're not familiar with that. And I will admit that I wasn't, right? Uh, we were talking uh, a bit ago, maybe maybe as we walked out of the last one of these recordings, what are we going to talk about next? <laughs> it's usually our process. That, that's, it's it's yeah. very, it's, people <laughs> would be stunned at how, <laughs> how creative processes work around here. And uh, you floated this idea, and I said, education 
desert. What's that, Tom? And uh, I will say, though, that I kind of got it when you said it, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a phrase I knew because there is sort of a kind of an immediate intuitively perceived meaning, I think. But would you kind of break it down for us? Yeah, there is sort of an official definition. And it, it is a it, it's a geographic area where there are fewer than two, quote unquote, mm-hmm. broad access higher ed institutions. And I, I think I've even read somewhere where it's like 50 miles. Mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. Um, or, and, and I've seen maybe others where it's 100 miles, mm-hmm. but I think maybe the 50 mile one mm-hmm. is, is the more common definition. So mm-hmm. within that range, which is basically kind of commuting range, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are fewer than two broad access higher education institutions. So if you think about a um, a uh, like a, a rural mm-hmm. location, mm-hmm. but they have a, a very well-regarded, selective, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, liberal arts college. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a destination. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't count, no, right? right? Because it's not broad access. Mm-hmm. What they're talking about is is maybe like a regional comprehensive or a community college or something mm-hmm. or something else. So there are these deserts, if you mm-hmm. will, uh, where there's just really limited or no access to higher education for the for those people who live there. In that broad right. And that we talk a lot about educational access uh in these episodes and yeah and and in a in a way that um doesn't go I, I liked uh, broad access, I think um eighty percent or higher um acceptance rates. Right. You know, right. maybe there's not even I mean some some schools don't even really, I guess they're open access institutions. They wouldn't even use that kind of language. But if they yeah. do, 80% yeah. or, or higher. And uh, a lot of this work, I was um, fascinated by, uh, I guess we would consider the seminal work around this, comes from University of Wisconsin-Madison professor Dr. Nick Hillman in his 2019 work, Place Matters, a closer look at education deserts. And we'll put that in the show notes. It's yeah. it's open. Yeah, I did, you know, a little Googling in preparation for the show. And a lot of this, the articles I found, um, even sort of just, you know, popular press kind mm-hmm. of articles, mm-hmm. um, cited mm-hmm. that study. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, yeah, I think that's a, a, good, a good source to go to if you want to find out more about this. Yeah, I mean, I'm just really struck. We just don't, I mean, maybe you do, because I mean, you know about it, but it... it we just don't talk about uh, this concept in quite this way. I mean, it's related to things we talk about, yeah. but it's 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 a real sharpen your pencil kind of a construct, I think. Yeah, and I first I think was exposed to it if I remember through um, through the Gates Foundation. Uh-huh. Some I can of, see that some of their work, sure. um, you know, because they they're really interested in education access mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and post secondary attainment. So, um, yeah, it's something that's always resonated with me. And, and in doing some prep for the show, I mean, a, a stat that stuck out was mm-hmm. that about 10% of the population, one in 10 people in the U.S., lives in a technical education mm-hmm. desert. That seems like a really large number. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and like you said, um, and Hillman, in his, uh, in his work, he kind of gets you know really into the details here, but you've got the sort of maybe what you think of as sort of the prototypical example of like a rural area, low density area, but there are high density areas too, because, you know, I'll, I'll kind of flip on its head. The example you gave of like a, you know, a bucolic environment with a highly selective liberal arts thing, you could have a, a, a more somewhat more urban area that all they have is, 
institutions who uh, they don't have any open access institutions and the institutions that do exist are below that 80 percent mm. um, threshold right. of, of, yeah. of acceptance and so that sort of stunts you know in fact I ran across this did you see this so I, I love somebody who stretches a a metaphor to the breaking point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so while there's an education desert, there are education mirages. What's an education mirage? It looks like it's not an education desert because there are all these oh, institutions. Right. But when you look at it carefully, like you approach it looking for access. It gets further and further away. And it does yeah. not materialize. Right. Because it's not broad access. Right. Isn't that fascinating? That is. I wonder how many of those there are. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and the reason why this sort of resonates with us in the in the world we live in and the work that we do is um, that I contend that mm -hmm. online learning is a potential remedy yeah. to the problem of education deserts in yeah. the United States. Sure. I absolutely agree with that. But uh, there are folks who would say, yeah, I mean, I think maybe broadly the the yes but uh, to that is digital digital divide kinds of things, right? Right. Uh, I think one of the things that you supplied in preparation for this is a, is a, a note from the think tank Center for American Progress, which says that uh, only about 63% of people in rural areas have broadband internet access compared with 75% of people in urban locales. That's one little data point. Yeah. But if, if you're already having difficulty because there's no institutions, there might be compounding factors. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's real. Mm -hmm. That broadband issue is is real. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little more familiar about that with uh, with our own state of, of Florida. Sure, and, you sure. know, when people think Florida, they think, you know, Miami and mm -hmm, Disney mm -hmm. and Tampa and sort of mm -hmm. these kind of metro areas. But there are plenty of places in this state that do not even have you know, broadband. Yeah. And um, there, I don't think there are as many education deserts. We're pretty covered here. I looked yeah, at the yeah, map yeah, in, yeah, that, in that Hillman yeah, uh, study. That's right. Um, but we do have digital divide issues. Mm -hmm. And um, it, that is a, a potential barrier for online learning becoming a solution to this, to this problem. Yeah, I think there's probably creative solutions um, to that maybe. Um, like I wondered about, I mean, there's all kind of creative solutions, like some sort of place-bound access, right, to online, right? And that could be partnerships with, I don't know, public libraries or, you know, K-12 schools. There, there are things that aren't new ideas that right. have, have surfaced around or um, community centers or whatever where, you know, you, it's not optimal. I'm not saying it's optimal, but we've seen around the world this kind of strategy be effective where you you come to it's a more of a distributed model. It may not be able to get access directly to where you live, but maybe within walking or commuting distance, there's a place that does have access to that yeah. central hub. Yeah. I could see that sort of hybrid solutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes that makes some sense. Um, you know, and something else I thought of, it's not so much education desert, but I think it's maybe a corollary. And 
it's it's based on anecdotes I've heard from uh, like the Florida Virtual School, which mm-hmm. is the K twelve system. Sure. For those who are not familiar with yeah. with it, it's long standing, well regarded. Yes, I think it's the largest you know K twelve virtual school in the in the country. And the you know the anecdotes I've heard is that you know there, there's a student in Highlands County, which is a rural county south of Lake Okeechobee, who's brilliant, wants to take you know Chinese Mandarin. And their high school is just not resourced for mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. right? But they can take that from the Florida Virtual School mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and be able to access the education that they want, um, you know, online virtually. Mm-hmm. That's not offered on ground, even though they're in a physical high school. It's not like they're denied high school, but they don't have all the options that that perhaps the the internet and providers like the the Florida Virtual School can can provide. And I think about the same thing at the post secondary level. So you mm-hmm. think about programs where we have really high workforce demands like nursing mm-hmm. right nursing mm-hmm. shortage we always hear about yep. yet nursing programs are they're very difficult to scale right because mm-hmm. of the the requirements associated with clinicals and mm-hmm. you know they're just expensive and they you just can't grow them really fast mm-hmm. so even if you're in an area that has a a broad access institution their nursing program may not be big enough to mm-hmm. suit the needs mm-hmm. of that area. Right, right. Online learning providers could potentially mm-hmm. fill that gap and, and mm-hmm. meet that you know unmet demand for sure. for a program like nursing. So it's, it's not even like these things have to be binary. Right, they they can right. work in concert with each other potentially. Yeah, I like that. But to your point, there are so many options for online and digital learning to bring creative solutions to this. And just a shout out, you mentioned the map. Um, It's an interactive map in Hillman's online um, article that, again, check the show notes. I I played with that too. And uh, I'm not super facile with it, but I was fascinating. I I, I agree. Uh, Florida, no education deserts, according to that uh, article. But I went around and looked at places where there were and zoomed in, zoomed out, Mm -hmm. played with the thing. And what's cool, I think I told you about this the other day, you can, again, not not facile, I had to play with it a little <laughs> bit. You can zoom in uh, if, in a place of interest, and you can uh, click and kind of select these different cells, these different, uh, I think his unit of analysis is like, quote unquote, commuting zone um, or something, which is kind of a census terminology. And uh, you can... Uh, download that to us uh, to a like a CSV file, like a spreadsheet file, and it's got uh, longitudinal, latitudinal uh, coordinate data. And you go, well, what good is that, Kelvin? Well, you can find reverse geocoding free online websites. You upload that, and it converts it to like county mm. and and municipality uh, addresses. So you can imagine with that in hand, now you can much more. To your point about online education being a lever, you you can much more um, directly reach out and partner and try to do something right. about those areas. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's cool and it's a great resource, um, and especially if you're interested in this. And, and in many ways, it, at the bottom line, it's it's all about you know access and equity. And and one stat that stood out to me when when we were doing some of the prep for this was um, in the, the Native American community. Hmm. And I think this was in a Chronicle article. Mm-hmm. 
uh, 29.5% of all Native Americans live in education deserts. So if one in 10, you know, in the US, in the total population is an education desert, three in 10 Native Americans are in education deserts. That just seems like a tragedy to me. Yeah, I, I, the word, um, that, that was a word that came to mind and shocking and um, uh, uh, an injustice for, for sure. Um, and, and I'm sure there's complex reasons, you know, behind that, but it, it doesn't seem like a good thing right? or justifiable in yeah, any way. Yeah, and, you know, in the tribal colleges, I know, do yeoman's work yeah, in right. this, but there's just not enough of them. Right, that's right. So, I mean, that's one concrete example. And behind every single one of these education deserts, how many, how many stories are there? You know how many how many very sad stories, and this just puts a a bright light on the the broader uh, education access uh, aspirational goal and mission that we've we talk about so many times in our digital and online learning work. Right. Yeah, and kind of circle back to the to the digital divide issue. It makes me it makes me wonder because I I don't think like this so much anymore because you know we live in a world where mm. broadband is just ubiquitous. Mm. But you know, should certain online programs, mm. especially those that might be targeted mm -hmm. at such populations, yep, yep. Um, you know, kind of be gracefully degradable depending yep. upon the bandwidth with which yep. somebody will be interacting with it? Um, we don't do that so much. Right. Um, I think th like the infrastructure, the LMSs are yep. better at that. But yep. like if we're putting, you know hour-long videos or whatever into these courses or, you know, really sure. dense images or something, you know, I, I'm not sure that we're being entirely, um, you know, fair to, to some of those populations if they are in our service area. See, I think that's an excellent insight. I mean, there's design implications. And uh, I'll pull a thread on uh, another sort of theme that we've talked about over the last year or so that intersects with that and, um, and kind of comes to loggerheads with it is the rise of synchronous online courses. Right. Yes. So in our world, we would say, hey, fine, synchronous online, asynchronous online. What's, the, what's it matter really as long as students are clear and right. online is online? But in your scenario, you don't have broadband. <laughs> Good luck with Zoom, right? And if you use my scenario of like public library, community right. center, whatever, right? and you can't get there on Monday at 6 p.m. Or somebody's already on the computer. Somebody's already on the computer. That's a real problem. It is. I, mean, I would just before this meeting, before I walked over to the sweat box. <laughs> sorry, Tim. Uh, um, I was on a you know a call, a meeting with with others on Zoom across the university, and and one of them, I assume he was at home, had his camera off and put in chat. Uh, I have really bad internet today, so um, I, I can hear you, but I've got my camera off and I'm not going to talk much. And and then I was on a. a meeting yesterday and the person who was running the meeting kept having bandwidth issues and we lost her for a while and then she had to come back in and that's those are these are people with broadband that's right these are well-resourced people yes <laughs> right and um even they have problems with this on occasion and could you imagine then in a synchronous learning environment where you where you that's your your you know your default yeah you know that's a really good point yeah. 
Yeah. This all comes back to design and knowing who your students are, knowing who, I mean, I, we don't always like language like this, but your 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 target population sure. is, right? Yeah. Knowing them and knowing what you're trying to achieve, if you're, if you're really going to achieve goals, then you've got to be, all this has got to be in alignment for sure. Yeah. Or at least make, make people aware, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. I, I know that like in, in some undeveloped countries and, and especially in like Africa, that mobile learning mm-hmm. is in many cases the first option yeah. because they just don't have the fiber, but they have towers, yeah. right? right? And so they use a lot of things on the, on the phone for training and for education. And um, it is part of our faculty development to mm-hmm. teach faculty how to design for a course that could be viewed on a phone yeah, that's right and you know i wonder if that's a potential angle for serving mm-hmm. these kinds of students yeah a mobile first yeah a mobile first strategy mobile first yeah. yeah i think that's right um although even there right you have to kind of be thinking like do you have uh whatever um uh unlimited data on you right true yeah <laughs> i know you know that's a that's a thing yeah. well you want to try to wrap it up and put the 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 plane on the runway for us sure um so i'll do the bottom line here mm-hmm. uh the construct of education deserts enables online education professionals like us mm-hmm. to more precisely devise strategies that achieve educational access for those who need it most that's right that's good so I think we have a little bit of time. Will you mm-hmm. indulge a plug? Plug away, All Dr. Right. Kavanaugh. So whether you are a newer listener or have been with us for a while, we would like to cordially invite you to please rate and review TopCast mm. on whatever platform through which you access it. So our data indicate that um, most of you access TopCast on Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. um, but we would invite your one-click rating or two-sentence review on uh, whatever platform you use, whatever it is. And, and we would also invite you to, to view the video mm-hmm. because we, we do make them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and oftentimes now that we're recording remotely, um, you can see our interviewees. Yeah. Like when we have an interview show, you'll That's see right. them on video too, and you, you can get to know them as well. And Tom brings in a different funny hat for every episode. Yeah. That's not true. If you that's watch not that, true. you'll know that's, that's, a, not true. that's a dirty lie. It's <laughs> not true. That's <laughs> not true. Well, yeah, that's that's great. We'd, we would really appreciate it. And um, it really does help people find uh, the show. And, and it makes us feel good to know that you're out there listening. This is a passive medium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Our voices echo, echo, echo. Yeah. So, Calvin, in, enjoy the warm while room <laughs> that we're in while we can yes before you you get on uh i-75 and start that drive north yeah yeah well we'll do although i i, uh, I keep finding in colder climates the heat works too well <laughs> that's what i find are you people not know it's cold outside but maybe i'll acclimate it's, yes. it's possible yeah well thank you for that and uh enjoyed our, our in-person thing and and maybe we'll find a, a way to do it again on a special episode at some point who knows um, yeah at a conference or something yeah, like we've done in the past that would be fun yeah. right but until next time for topcast i'm kelvin and i'm tom see ya, see ya.